This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Episode 42 of the tip of the iceberg. You already know what it's going to be because this is our last episode, at least recording-wise, prior to the trade deadline. Yep. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be crazy. This trade deadline season has kind of already been a little crazy, even for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll get into that. Of course, we just saw the unfolding of the Tyler Toffoli deal to Vancouver, which, boy, are they going to be a wagon the rest of this season. Not... I mean, they already are a wagon in a Pacific division that is not a what wagon. you would say a little bit weaker of a division, but they're still a really good team, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Who knows? Let's hope they don't get to the finals because I don't know. if The only downside with Vancouver is, however, Brock Besser's hurt like for the season, yeah. I think. I mean, does Toffoli kind of make up for that a little bit? I would assume so, yes. I said that, like... Um, Besser is hurt, and someone else, I don't remember, they're both possibly down for the season. But I, I wouldn't know how just a single Tyler Toffoli would help that, because I think the other one was a uh, defenseman. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure who's all so. injured on that team, but they have players like T- JT Miller right now is having a fantastic season. Pedersen, definitely not having a sophomore slump. And Markstrom and Nett is having a really good season. So it'll be interesting to watch. The reason I said... I hope they don't get to the finals. Nothing against Vancouver, nothing against their fans, but I don't think the city of Vancouver could take another Stanley Cup final loss because after the last one in 2011, it was, I think mayhem is a good word to use for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I just pulled it up. Jim Benning said that Besser will sustain a cartilage fracture oh. in his ribs oh. and we reevaluated in three weeks. And Furland is out for the season oh. with, recurring concussion like yeah, but they haven't had furlan we'll for a while rec- i didn't know that part so i just uh, safely assumed it was two guys going down for the season which i mean it still kind of seems like that but that hurts him regardless and yeah tyler fully stepping in rejoining his old buddy tanner pearson which has been all over twitter um those the pictures of those two in from la so you got something coming from it but losing besser doesn't help a lot i don't know what he's been looking like this year but He's still usually one of the top players on the team, and you know any injury hurts a team. Yeah, and if you look at it, and you can kind of make a parallel from Vancouver to Pittsburgh, Vancouver's missing Besser, Pittsburgh's missing Jake Gensel, and they bring in Jason Zucker. That's the one big trade that GM Jim Rutherford already made his customary two weeks prior to the deadline deal. He acquired, of course, Jason Zucker for Gouch, Addison, and a first. We talked about that on end. Up to this point, currently as of recording, in three games, he has two goals and an assist with the Penguins. So a pretty good deal as of what it looks like right now for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Off to a good start for Jason Zucker. And then GM Jim Rutherford also said he plans to wait until the final 48 hours prior to the deadline to decide whether or not he wants to add more or not. And it's based on the injured list progress and the progress of those players. So what do you think of that decision by GM Jim Rutherford to wait until the last 48 hours to see how much progression we have. 
Uh, he wants to make it interesting for once, considering the last 48 hours of the trade deadline usually suck because the trades are usually made by then. And if they're not gone by that point, it's not like the first day of free agency where it's, hey, we have all these deals already made. We just need to wait for the legal time to do it. It's, well, we're going to get it all in before the legal time so we don't, you know, F ourselves. So if you're going to get traded, usually by then it's done. So at least he's making the coverage interesting. If if uh, if anything, it's people will be like, hey, you know, Jim Rutherford said he's got a plan in the last 48 hours. Let's cover that for the next two days. The way I see it is, I don't think we need to make another move because we're possibly getting Cahoon back against the Maple Leafs tonight. It's a possibility. He's a game-time decision. We did just lose Zach Gaston-Reese week to week. But week to week is usually a pretty not-so-bad injury. Considering everything um, else we've been getting this season has been long-term injury, three to five weeks, three to six weeks, eight-week timetables. Week to week, I'll take. I didn't see that that was week to week. I saw it was day-to-day. With the LBI, was is it week to week now? I I've been at work all morning. <laughs> Maybe it was week day to day. I something to something, and it's regardless either way. It's a better injury than what we have seen this season, so it's not terrible. Obviously, it's lower body for sure, and he'll be back in no time. It seems because that like like we said, it's an injury that if it's it's week to week is what it's stated as, and week to week could mean anything from literally next week during the Western road trip, or immediately after that when we come home you know first week of march second week of march with some with a pretty good amount of games left and to for him to get back into the rhythm i'm not too worried about losing him especially if Cahoon is coming back as a game time decision tonight Mm. i would say yeah you don't want to break i mean you're not breaking up the zach aston reese brandon tanov and teddy bluger line but in this situation i say why not just slide Cahoon right into that spot just for the time being, then shuffle up where need be. Come the future, never Aston Reese comes back. Yeah, I I agree with that. And yes, I don't know if you said it because you were in and out there, but it was week to week for Zach yeah. Aston Reese. We checked on Penn's inside scoop. Yep. So a big part of this is obviously, like he said, the injuries coming back. Zach Aston Reese going down adds another layer for Rutherford to think about. But Nick Bugstad is another big name in this. Because his last game played was November 15th after core muscle surgery, which, of course, Penguins fans are complete and utter, what, geniuses, would you say, when it comes to knowledge about core muscle surgery now that Sidney Crosby has had the injury? Yeah, we're doctors now. <laughs> we're doctors with every injury Crosby has had. High ankle sprain, concussions, the core muscle surgery. We know what's going on now. I don't know if you, if you mentioned he did begin skating this past Saturday, which was a good sign because it had been so long. I did not know he started – I don't remember he started skating at least, which is a very good sign going forward considering he hasn't played at all this season. Yeah. He began skating this past Saturday, which is 12 weeks after he was injured and had that surgery when it was originally supposed to be an eight-week timetable for his injury. So much longer rehab than Sidney Crosby had. So it's a good sign for him if he comes back – how important is his return, do you think, to GM Jim Rutherford's total mold in his head? GM Jim Rutherford, his mold, thinks that Nick Bukestad is going to be a standout third-line center for this team. Um, you know, Everyone has been praising Bukestad for his play. We just haven't been able to see it yet. And I think that's something to speak of. Yeah, the 
when the management is high on someone, that's usually a good thing. But we've also seen that not be a good thing in a couple cases. But that's not too much to worry about. We know Buick's dad's a more of a veteran guy than you know these guys in the minors that our management is high on. So he has NHL play under his belt. He knows how to handle the game. And I don't know his injury history. I don't know if this is the first time he's coming back from a bigger one like this. It'll be interesting to watch and see if he's able to come back. I fully expect him to be a good third, fourth line depth center for the team going forward because that's what he was brought here to do. That's what he's going to be brought back to do. So it's going to be good having hit the return for him. And it's finally time for Penguins fans to see what he can do, I guess. Yeah, honestly, it's been so long since we've even seen Nick Bugestad on the ice, and it feels like he hasn't even played this season to me. Yeah. It feels like I haven't seen him play this year, and I I know I have, obviously, but he really hasn't, like we said, only 10 games played so far into the season, and the Penguins were, what, over just about 60 games played? Yeah, and it's it, there was a lot of talk for a couple of weeks if Bugestad even, you know, with the way this team is playing without, without him, it was a matter of do we really – need him anymore should we just ship him off to someone else and get magic beans in return or you know some sort of return at this point he's been hurt for too long no one's gonna take him no one wants a guy that's returning from injury under a week away from the deadline you don't want to take that kind of gamble especially if Bukestad might not even be back by the deadline you want a guy who's gonna get some games in before things go bad so it's He's not going anywhere just because he's hurt. If anything, you know, maybe he'll be healthy next season, and we could talk about this again next year if there is no improvement from him. I don't have an issue with healthy scratching if need be. Like I said, he's been, we've been playing fine without him. It would hurt to see four, five, however many million dollars he's making get scratched, but I've come to learn a lot this season that this is a business, and, I mean, hell, we put Patrick Hornquist on our fourth line, and he's making five-something. There's nothing to money just that's just a matter of that's them staying in with the business it seems there's a big difference to me between putting somebody on a fourth line and healthy scratching especially in the way you look at the way that mike sullivan likes to roll his lines when he has four capable lines right. patrick hornfist had plenty of ice time in that game on sunday against detroit if you bring nick bugstad back i think it's silly to think that he would get healthy scratch. No offense. I just feel like if it's between Bugstad, Agazino, or Angelo, I think Nick Bugstad wins it 10 times out of 10. And I also think Jared McCann to the wing is something that the Penguins want to keep going towards the playoffs. So Bugstad, I, I think as soon as he's healthy, he'll be back in the lineup, whether that's on that de facto third, fourth line with Hornfist and then whoever gets bumped down once Cahoon returns, which, like you said, could possibly be tonight, I think Bugstad will be fine on that, whatever it is, third, fourth line, whichever one you want to call it. But I did mention Cahoon, and you mentioned Cahoon earlier. We'll, we'll move into talking about him. He was concussed on a game on January 19th, which is almost a month before this is recorded. Yeah. And he skated a couple times with the team over the weekend in a non-contact jersey. And he had this quote over the weekend. He said, I'm going 100% for sure already, but we have to figure out when I can go with contact, and then he, he'll be ready to play. He said he's very positive about it. That was from February 16th, so that was on Sunday prior to the game against the Detroit Red Wings. 
He can go 100% in practice. It's just getting cleared for contact. So that's going to be the big thing. Like you said, game time decision for tonight's game against Toronto, which is actually Tuesday night's game. Because I realize when this comes out on Thursday, it'll also be a night game against Toronto. So Hey, it will be. We'll see if Dominic Cahoon can return. But you said something about him possibly being on the fourth line because of the way that – or sliding in, sorry, on Aston Reese's spot. Yeah, just for the time being while Aston Reese is hurt. It's nothing you know, serious and holding steady. I don't. Even, I just don't remember who's playing with Rustin Malkin right now. McCann. Thank you. Yeah, I just say – I mean, you know, even putting McCann on that line wouldn't hurt too much. But I like the idea of um, McCann who – shoots the puck every opportunity he gets on a line with Malkin and Rust, who uh, Rust will do the same. Malkin will do the same if you ask him to. Just having that line put together just still for the time being while someone down below is hurt. Because when we got Cahoon, we didn't expect him to be on a second line. I think putting Cahoon in, who will be a good speed guy for that line, I think it might be really good for him on that line to come back from. Cahoon, or, yeah, Cahoon, Bluger, and Tanev, I really like that idea it's three younger guys that are new to the organization that all have very good games and they should mold well together and keep just keeping the second line where it is that's another smart idea like i said it's just a temporary thing i'd say for the time being while aston reese is hurt because we want that third line to still be aston reese uh bluger and tana because they've been lights out all season yeah i and i can see where you're coming with that it, it does stand to make sense that just slotting him in on that line to come back right when Aston Reese goes out kind of seems like almost the perfect storm for a placement for him. The thing that I'm just continuously thinking about is the way that Cahoon was playing at the time of his injury. When he got hurt, he was on that second line with Malkin and Russ, and that line was performing head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah. So I don't know. To me, it's just you got to put it to me. You got to put him back there. Also putting a guy who's coming back from a concussion. Now I, I know that if he's playing, he is 100% back, and he shouldn't have any lingering effects of a concussion. But putting a guy that's coming off of a concussion onto what you deem your checking line is something there just doesn't fit with me. I think somebody like Dominic Cahoon would benefit more, in my opinion, on starting on Evgeny Malkin's line because of how much less, one, physicality is going to take, two, how much more space he's going to have and time to readjust to the play and the level of play because he's been out for a month. I do see what you mean about putting him in where Zach Aston Reese was just so he can get back into that style of play and that line gets somebody that's kind of similar to Zach Aston Reese, maybe a little less physically imposing than Aston Reese, but somebody that kind of fits the mold of that line, and I can see why you would say that. But to me, it's just Cahoon to the second line to me feels feels a little bit more like the right move and McCann to that that checking line I think would, would work out well the only thing that bothers me is I hate to take McCann out of the top six yeah it, that'll hurt us a lot I mean not a lot but I mean we see what guys with not necessarily limited and you said Hornquist played a lot we see what guys with shortened I guess it's because it's not a whole lot he like Sullivan does like running all four of his lines we see what guys can do with the little bit of time they have. You know, Hornquist had a hat trick, asterisks, two goals from that game. So he won't give it up either. He's saying that that puck hit my knee. That puck really hit my knee, and he's he's not happy about it, but he'll take it because you know the Pens won five to one. You can't really be too upset, right? But and Penguin fans are upset they had to lose some hats. But 
it's something and that's tells. only a couple. I didn't see that. I didn't see that many hats in the first place. If I thought it's because people probably didn't know that he's a lot of people probably didn't know that that was his hat trick goal. It's also cold outside. Everyone's not wearing regular hats. But yeah, it's. I mean, I think once we're fully healthy, it's gonna be four lines that are just flowing and getting fairly similar times as each other. Mm-hmm. It won't be too much of an issue with us. Like our fourth line at that point, like whenever everyone's healthy, Bukestad, Cahoon, and Zach Aston Reese are all back. I feel like our fourth line will be the tan of, you know, Bluger, Aston Reese, and by fourth, I do mean three B maybe three A, three B, one A, one one A, one B, not even really a two. And three A three B, yeah, that stands to very much reason. Especially the way Mike Sullivan's going to deploy those lines in minutes. I think you're 100 percent correct. It's not going to matter who's the third and who's the fourth line. They're going to get similar minutes, especially because it seems like. And you mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and I love the the way that you said this. Our first and second lines technically kind of make up everybody that plays on the power play, and our third and fourth lines make up everybody that plays on the penalty kill. Yep. So it evens out in playing time too. So I think that's something that's going to be really important to have, especially come playoff time. You're not having somebody sitting on the bench like Alex Galchenyuk would have been and playing five minutes a game and only playing in the first half of the first period and then sitting and riding the pine the rest of the rest of the game. So I think it's going to be a good thing to have. Hopefully we can get healthy. Cahoon possibly coming back is a big step. Hopefully Zach Aston Reese isn't out too much longer. And now let's let's move to the back end before we cut to a break real quick. The two guys missing are Brian Dumoulin and John Marino. We'll start with Dumoulin because he's been out longer. He had surgery on that ankle December 1st. How worried are you, and how worried do you think Jim Rutherford is the, that Brian Dumoulin has yet to skate? Uh, that's a good one because it is it is a real question as to why he hasn't skated. I thought at one point he was on the ice at least once, but you know it's hard to skate with a broken ankle. So if something's still wrong there, obviously you can't come back out and play. And it's been – I'm look, trying to look at a counter. It's been – Let's see, almost three whole months. You said December first. That's yeah, that's a little brutal. He's your top def- top defensive defenseman for sure, and one of the better skating defensemen sometimes. So it's you want to take care of it. You want to make sure he's okay. I have no problem if you know we have to shelf him until playoffs. I think I don't think it'll last that long because that's like another whole month and a half almost, mm-hmm. and some important games through that. It's. That's not one you want to see, but you want to take care of it. That's one you want to keep an eye on. And if he has to sit, then by all means, sit him. Bring him back, come round one. Let it be the return story of the playoffs, I guess. it's You just hope that no one else goes down and we have to force him back onto the ice. That's a big thing, and we saw it earlier. Before the John Marino injury, Jim Rutherford had no issues. Right. He had was able to healthy scratch somebody that is an NHL caliber defenseman. He was fine. He was riding fine. Then John Marino gets hurt. That was about two weeks ago. His last game was February 6th. So almost two weeks ago, John Marino gets that injury. Facial fractures, needs to have surgery. He's about, like I said, two weeks into his three- to six-week timetable. I think the big thing for Rutherford in the next coming days is to see and get an update on where John Marino is because as of right now, the Penguins are fine. As of right now, like you said, knock on wood, no more injuries to that blue line because then you're bringing somebody else up. But if John Marino is closer to coming back, 
then I don't think there's that much of an issue for Rutherford, and he's not going to worry about bringing in a defenseman. But if they see where John Reno is, and they think he's probably leaning towards the six-week timetable, and Brian Dumlin has yet to skate and doesn't look like he's getting close to skating, that's when I think Jim Rutherford's going to look to try to possibly bring in a depth defenseman somebody that's not going to cost too much and we'll get into that in the second half of the show is some of the players that we think Jim Rutherford could possibly be targeting for that February 24th deadline so stay tuned for that um, what else do you have on John Marino and, and Brian Dumlin in the de- defense if, if you're Rutherford looking at your defensive scheme right now do you think you need a move or do you think you should be able to hold pat and hope for these guys to come back healthy like I said it's, we're under a week away from the cutoff date for trades and we got four games until then i don't know it's i'm not saying taking evaluation on things in the next couple i'm saying more or less see what the track for dublin and marino are because here's the thing regardless they're gonna be back in time for the playoffs i feel like Mm-hmm. you know two more should months be. yeah like another month and a half for the a, love they should be yeah like another month and a half is a long time to wait for a broken ankle that's been you know broken since the first of december marino should be back in a, almost a couple of days it feels like and then that's our entire defense if you you don't want to make a move and have to force yourself to scratch someone who's been in the lineup all year you know, because you brought this other guy in and you don't want to scratch the new guy. I mean, I get we did it with Mark Strait a couple years ago, but we at least knew Latang wasn't coming back that season or that postseason. We knew that, hey, Mark Strait's going to be here. If he gets scratched, he gets scratched. He'll at least be getting playing time and will be helping us regardless. This is one where, as of now, knock on wood again, everyone's healthy and everyone's going to come back healthy. You're screwed at that point. You have, you have your surplus again and you need something to do. It's... I'm thinking defensive-wise, I don't think we need to make a move. We just need to know what the timetable is, and we need an actual timetable on our injured players. It's Is Dumo coming back in this many days or this many weeks, or are you shelving him until the playoffs? Is Marino coming back in however many weeks are left? You know, is saying this goes for the forwards, too. Zach Asteris is now week-to-week. How many weeks is that? I get week-to-week. Could be one to five, but... Uh, you want to know the timetable on that. And Bukestad, he's been out since, when did you say, November? Uh, his last game was November 15th. But remember, he was he got injured again because he was injured at the beginning of the season, missed a long period of time, then came yeah. back, played a couple games, got injured again. But his last game was November 15th. Right, okay. So like again. In that amount of time, Sidney Crosby has gone down with the same injury, came back and played another, <laughs> hand, another what, dozen games? Yeah. So you want to know, like, what are the timetables for these guys? Because it's really not so much about what moves we need to make. It's who's coming back and what, if people aren't, if people aren't, what we can fill with. That's just the way it is. And (laughs) we just need the timetables on everything. One last question before we cut the break. Hopefully you can hear this. Last year, Jim Rutherford said he was above and beyond pleased with the defense core he had, and it was the best he's had since he came to Pittsburgh. How much more comfortable are you this year? Because last year, both of us scoffed at the fact that he said that. How much more comfortable are you this year with the defense core the Penguins have heading into March and April? Yeah, this year's defensive core is very much improved and younger because 
I mean, it's not all that much different. It's kind of the same skeleton minus um, Erica Branson plus John, yeah, plus John Marino. And yeah, that's really about it. I think you have an improved Jack Johnson as well as an improved Marcus Pedersen too. You we yeah we ha- we definitely have an improved Jack Johnson and we have a Pedersen who has a future situated now. We know a little bit more. I think that since we've seen him a little bit more, we can be we can rely on him more now than we could last year because last year we didn't know you know when's the other shoe going to drop. Is it just a really good start for him or is this really the player that he is? And I think this year we've realized he's the player that he is. And and also with Rikula the same way, we've just seen more of him and he's had more experience. And I think I'm a hundred percent more comfortable with those two players now than I was a year ago at this time. Yeah. Rico has gotten a lot of playing time this year. It's finally happened. It hasn't been tremendously, you know, over the top. It's been good. Mm-hmm. You could say that. I mean, he's been playing third, you know, his third line minutes that he's been given and seems to be the first scratch out come return of some defensemen. So it's a matter of, I mean, I would say he would be the one to, get booted somewhere if we have to make a trade for a depth defenseman i mean i get it'd be a depth defenseman for a depth defenseman don't move but if you can get a depth defenseman that's a little higher up on a depth chart for your for you even above chad ruweedle which you know it's a step up but it's something and it's an improvement and i wouldn't expect the next move to be anything more than a rental i don't think we can afford to keep going forward with guys that have money on the books yeah so our defense i'd say is you know, last season, Rutherford said it was the best def- defense he's had since he's been here. Mm-hmm. That ha- Part of that may have just been him trying to back up his moves that were getting criticized on end from everywhere. But this year he could say it and mean it. And knowing your, your low points, Jack Johnson, and he's been playing pretty well this year. So it's mm-hmm. – and he's only the low point for the criticisms of before. If you would have brought in Jack Johnson, that's – I don't know. Like – Maybe Three years, two million. Something like that. Yeah, it's you're looking at him as, yeah, that's what he should be. Maybe you're harping on him for him being on the first line. Well, that's not a Rutherford move. Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's Sullivan there, and... And that's what you have to deal with when you have your best defensive defenseman shelved for three months. Exactly. So, so. it's... I'd say this defense is definitely better than last season's, and it could have just been a cover-up for uh, Rutherford last year. Yeah. Rikola, also, can we get him a trophy for best hair on the Penguins besides Crystal Tang. <laughs> if you haven't read that athletic article, it is fantastic. The athletic ran an article that is about player polls, but all Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, so okay. go read that. Yusuf Rikula was voted best hair, but they also had the caveat. You cannot vote for Chris Tang in this poll. So <laughs> go check that out. Before we go to our quick break, the tip of the iceberg and hockey podcast network have partnered with NHL shop to give you, our loyal listeners, the opportunity to up your NHL apparel game. Whether it's NHL memorabilia, hockey cards and collectibles, or even simply team apparel, we've got you covered. Just visit us on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast and click the link in the pinned tweet for awesome deals at NHL Shop. It's time for the Pittsburgh Penguins fans to gear up for the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. I can see clearly straight to that sixth Stanley Cup victory. But... Before we get to that, when we come back, we'll discuss who the Pens could possibly be targeting for next Monday's trade deadline. Bring it on back here to the tip of the iceberg. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. 
New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Nick Verlansky. I'm with Nick Horwat. We're fighting through this horrible connection today, but I think we're still giving you guys some quality content, and we have even more ready for you. The trade deadline is coming up on February 24th. Of course, everybody knows Jim Rutherford made the first move, and we talked about that a little earlier. We've talked about it at nauseam on previous episodes, so go back and listen to episodes 40 and 41, I believe, is when we talked about the bulk of the Zucker trade. So go ahead and listen to those if you want to talk about that. But we're talking about now are other players in the NHL that Rutherford could be targeting before that 24th deadline. Let's start with forwards. I'll let you start because I have two here that could possibly be somebody that Rutherford could grab right before the deadline and that, like he said, final 48 after he sees where he's at. So what what's one of the forwards that you have for him? Boy, oh boy. This was hard for me to come up with because in all honesty, I wanted to just say our best, like the best – trade this team can make is no trade but yes um for the sake of argument you forced my hand yeah i have to make (laughs) some sort of decision here well my tyler Toffoli idea was scooped out scooped out of the water so there goes come on did you really think after they got zucker that they'd still be able to afford tyler Toffoli? all i know is we got zucker and it was still reported that we're in the hunt for Kreider, which by the way we don't need no i mean yeah, Kreider would be a great linemate for Crosby, but isn't that what you just got Zucker to do? Exactly. You don't need to buy twice. No, we don't. And like, Nobody needs two Xbox Ones. Even whenever the Kreider situation first started coming up, I'm thinking, do we really want to push that envelope? And then Kreider went off, and I'm like, you know what? Screw it, maybe. And then we got Zucker. So Seems like he was the only it. New York Rangers scoring at any point after that. Yeah, also, apparently Kreider his agent and the Rangers are about to actually start contract talks now. So who knows what's even going on anywhere with that. Fine. Don't play in the playoffs this year. (laughs) Who cares? Stay in New York, whatever ugly city that I love so much. I mean, that team should be good, but you know, whatever. Other than that, you had to force my hand a little bit. I haven't seen too many forwards, you know, on a trade block that I've been like, yes, that one. The only one that I was kind of like, eh, Maybe. Wayne Simmons. Hated it, but a little bit of brute force down on the bottom six. I'm assuming he's only I'm assuming he's on the last year of his his deal because I don't signed a one year deal with New Jersey. Good, because I don't want him any further past this. <laughs> but um he's getting old or getting old. He's not getting old per se. He's but aging. He's been, yeah, he's aging and he's aging fast because of the game he plays. Yeah. So having some brute force down on the fourth line fourth line even. No, it's not Ryan Reeves' brute force. Wayne Simmons can still skate. And score. Yeah. He'd be really good on a second power play unit for the Penguins. Yeah. So I'd say that's – I don't know who you'd trade to get to get for that. I'd probably, like I said last week, an RFA of sorts to really shed the space because at that point you won't have to worry about re-signing an RFA and we can just let Simmons walk at the end of the year mm-hmm. after his you know, 18-game stint or whatever it may be. Yeah, that's my forward push, and I just, I just didn't see anyone else who's even available that could be an option because I wasn't digging through just trying to make up. <laughs> yeah, I found two actually. Yeah, Go I ahead. found two, and since you're talking about Wayne Simmons and upcoming UFA, I'll stick with the upcoming UFA first. And he's 
pretty familiar. I don't know if you looked at the rundown and know who I'm about to say, but I'm going to say Connor Sherry is a possibility. <laughs> and you laugh, and that's fine. <laughs> I do, but he that plays for the now. Buffalo Sabers. They're clearly sellers at this point, which is also hard right now because a lot of teams are still in the hunt. So yeah. a lot of teams might not want to sell, other than Minnesota, who's still like two points out of a playoff spot and still traded Zucker to us. Whatever. But Sherry is a pending UFA, coach. so his money comes off the books at the end of the year. Nine goals this year already, 19 points. For a team that's struggling and for a team that he doesn't really have the greatest line mates with, that's all right. I think it would probably cost uh, maybe a third-round pick. <laughs> maybe wow. a fourth-round pick. I don't think his price tag is going to be too high. Have you really even seen the name Connor Sherry on trade deadline talks of people who are available? Not really. I think his familiarity with the team would help Pittsburgh. That's a little depth defenseman, or sorry, not depth defenseman, depth forward that can come out on the third or fourth line. He could step in for Zach Aston Reese during that injury. He could play on that fourth line above somebody like Lafferty, or they could at least challenge each other. And that's kind of just buying insurance to make sure your injuries don't cause you to play somebody from Wilkes-Barre. It's, it's basically buying insurance with Connor Sherry. And I think it's somebody that's been here before, so he wouldn't mind. The other player that I have forward-wise, and then I'll get your reaction to both, is Andreas Athanasiu from the Detroit Red Wings. What's he the has term left eight on goals. Yeah. He's a pending RFA. All of my guys are up after this year. He's the only one that's an RFA. He has eight goals, 24 points. Again, I think one draft pick should get it done but I think Detroit would yeah. definitely have to retain some of that $3 million salary for the rest of the season. Same with Connor Sherry. We would need to have Buffalo retain some of that salary, but for teams like Detroit and Buffalo, retaining a salary for the rest of the season is not going to be anything. No, it shouldn't hurt them one bit. Those are two different ones. Those are like Connor Sherry. Obviously no one has heard getting talked about at all. I didn't even realize his contract was up. Mm-hmm. So there's that. He's going to make no money in the off season. Probably. Yeah, he'll probably get the round what he's making now. Yeah. We'll Athanasiu has just got a bright future. It's a hard one for that. It would be a hard one for Detroit to give up, I would say, because they have – Or is he? wait, isn't he the one that they had to, like, fight to get over from Russia? No, he's not the one they had to fight to get over from Russia, but he is the one that did hold out on Steve Eiserman, and it's kind of storied – sort of like how it was, quote-unquote, storied that Kessel was not getting along with his teammates – Athanasiu is not really, quote-unquote, getting along with Steve Eisenman in the GM's office. So maybe, I'm maybe sure that's, that's something that Eisenman wouldn't want to get a pain, out of, pain in the ass out of his way and not have to deal with RF, him being an RFA again this upcoming season. So that's the only thing. He's had disputes with that organization, so I don't know if you want to bring him into this locker room where everybody's so tight-knit and everybody top to bottom seems, at least from the outside, like they're all ready to push towards that one goal of the Stanley Cup. So... In the locker room, I don't know, but as far as the way he plays the game, I would think he'd be a fantastic third, fourth liner. Him on that fourth line with Hornqvist and Bugstad, I think would be fantastic. Yeah, that'd just be a hard, that would just be a hard one to do, that's all. I think he's the one that said he was going to go back to Russia. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. So, that might have been it. Ugh, I don't know how I feel about that one exactly, but I don't know. It's your, it's your opinion on it. I would just say no. <laughs> you would just say no? You're just yeah. saying... Did, did, Shut the Blackberry off. You're done. <laughs> yeah. I just got nothing from it. It's just, that's such a, I feel like if he wasn't feuding with, you know, his organization and that could be over by now, who knows? Like they could be in, you know, good on good terms because time heals all wounds like that. Yeah. It's a, 
it's a team that, despite being otherworldly bad this season, if they shore up a better defense and find a starting goalie, they could have a pretty solid team. If it also has to traject on their forwards, per, like coming to fruition, like Dylan Larkin becoming his full player in his prime, Athanasiu sticking around and becoming what he's supposed to be. It's a team that, you know, plus a first round pick of Lafreniere, if he takes off, it's that could be a scary team in four years or so if they mm-hmm. shore everything up that they need to. Yeah. And also, let's not forget the fact that there's rumors that Braden Holtby will be signing there in the offseason once he leaves Washington, or if he leaves Washington, I should say. That's not a guarantee yet. Yeah, Add Braden true. Holtby to that team, plus Lafreniere, they just need to figure out that defense. And yeah. they have a pretty solid team. I'm not saying they have a Stanley Cup contending team at that point, but they do have a team that could definitely fight for a playoff spot in the Atlantic Division. They have a team that has potential and can easily grow past what they seem to have now. Yeah. So let's move on to defense real quick before we say goodbye today. Who do you have as a defenseman, I should say, that the Penguins could be targeting come next Monday? I'm going to let you go first because, honestly, I don't know. (laughs) It's another thing, like we said, if you're not sure when Marino and you're not sure when Dumoulin are going to come back and you want to sure up the fact that you have yet another NHL defenseman or NHL-ready defenseman, I go for Eric Gustafson of the Blackhawks. Now, I get there in the playoff hunt as of right now but he's a pending ufa and he it's a team that really could still be in a rebuild so they really could use picks i think it would take either maybe a second round pick in 2021 or maybe a third and a fifth maybe the third's a couple years down the road and the fifth is this upcoming season so either you're giving them a high priority pick or you're giving them two lower round picks i think that should get the deal done I, like I said, he's a pending UFA. He, last season, played out of his mind good, was 60 points. This season, not so much, six goals for 26 points, but he's a rental. That's what he is. I think a lot of teams still have a chance to make the playoffs. That's why there's not really many, not really many sellers at this deadline, yet there's so many big names in the sellers category. Like you said, Kreider, Toffoli, we got Zucker. It's definitely going to be interesting, and I, I think Gustafson is a name that might possibly be one that we see on Monday afternoon. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good place to stop off, unless you have any anybody else on on the trade watch that you think that the Penguins will pick up. All their injured players. All of our injured players. There you go. That's the biggest deadline acquisition exactly. you can get. Is getting back Brian Dumlin, Nick Dukestad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But before we go, we will be on Ice Analytics Podcast tomorrow with host Matthew Arp. So we're going to discuss the Penguins goalie tandem. Go ahead and tune into that to hear our lovely voices for a second straight day. I'm sure you guys can't get enough of Nick and Nick talking hockey, but that is all for this one. You can follow us at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter. Our show is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can follow them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. Every team, everywhere. Have a good weekend, Pence fans.